Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Faithful Futures podcast. In our session today, we'll be going through Galatians chapter 1. We're going to discuss several topics today, including grace and Christ's sacrifice on the cross, along with some other topics. Hope you enjoy it. Let's dig in. This shall be written for the generation to come. There's some things that aren't for sale, but I must maintain something. I'm standing behind this pulpit. There are some things that though death is inevitable, there is some things, though persecution and tribulation is inevitable, there are still some things that you cannot buy out. When is the last time you've been to church where you've seen young people under such conviction because the people of God have been on their face? And there's such a concern and there's such an agony that young people are falling on their faces and calling on God because a spirit of conviction is called down from heaven upon them. How many churches have you been lately where you hear a word comes forth that so burns in your soul, you know it comes from heaven, you know it comes from the heart of God? Whatever happened to anguish in the house of God? All right, so let's get started on Galatians chapter 1. Let's just start off with the history of the book, intro to Galatians here, and just kind of go over some of the other details about the book, its history, when it was written, the author, all that good stuff. So in the book of Galatians, Paul is writing to the churches in Galatia, which is in the highlands of Anatolia, which is now known as modern-day Turkey. Out of the 13 New Testament letters attributed to Paul, writing Galatians is perhaps second in influence following the book of Romans. So an important book. Paul and Barnabas passed through Galatia on their very first missionary journey. And Paul, in chapter 4 of Galatians, he refers to his sickness being the reason they had to stop there. The reason he was able to give the gospel to them there was because of his sickness. So Galatia gets its name from the invasion of the Gallic Celts in 3rd century BC. It means land of the Gauls. And then Rome conquers Galatia in 189 BC, and they turn this into a province in 25 BC. So northern, so Galatia split into two different areas. There's northern Galatia and southern Galatia. Northern Galatia is a mountainous area of Asia Minor, and southern Galatia was the district added by the Romans whenever you know they turned it into a, a province, uh, and it included also the cities of Antioch and Iconium. So if, when you hear Paul talk about Antioch, Antioch and Iconium in the book of Acts, that's what he's referring to, are the churches, and they appear to be in Galatia. And so Paul um, also writes to the churches in Galatia. It's not just a single church in Galatia. He writes to several different ones. And so maybe there was one in Antioch, and maybe there was another one in Iconium. We don't really know how many there were, but there were, there were definitely more than one. Paul refers plurally to the churches in Galatia. So Galatians is one of the most studied letters of the New Testament. Martin Luther and John Calvin both cite the book of Galatians frequently in some of their writings. And Calvin actually wrote up an extensive commentary on the book. And again, Paul addressed his letters to the churches in Galatia. I always I found that interesting. Um, it kind of lets us know, gives us some insight to the early church in that area and there was just more than one um there wasn't just one church in galatia there was antioch and iconium and maybe some other subsects of galatia where churches were 
So uh, Galatians was written probably between AD 49 and AD 55. And so it, it kind of depends on a couple things. Data letters is determined partially based on its relationship to the Jerusalem Council mentioned in Acts chapter 15 verses 1 through 29, but primarily by the question of recipients kind of gives us more detail on who it was written to and the date it was written. So if the letter was addressed to the Southern Galatians, it was probably written around 49 to 50 AD. But if it's addressed to the Northern Galatians, it was probably written sometime between AD 52 and AD 57. Either way, Galatians was probably one of Paul's earliest letters, and it gives us some unique insight into the faith and practice of some of the earliest churches in Christian history. Um, most scholars believe that, though, that, I mean, they, they all settle in between that window of 49 to 55 AD. So Galatians is is often referred to as the book of Christian liberty, and we're going to dive into some of that, uh, especially as we get later on in the book of Galatians, not necessarily in chapter 1. There's not a ton of it in chapter 1, um, but, but not in this session, probably chapter 2, chapter 3, and so on. We're going to dig into the subject of Christian liberty, what that means, and, and how we're supposed to operate as Christians. What does Christian liberty mean? So we're going to get into some of that too. So let's just, uh, what we're going to do, I'm going to divide this off and basically sections of five verses. So we're just going to start with Galatians chapter one, verses one through five. That's where we'll read from to start out here. It says, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren which are with me under the churches of Galatia, grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So Paul addresses the churches of Galatia here, and in opening in verses 3 and 4, he kind of gives a, a plug that Christ gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world. So throughout chapter 1, what we're going to find is a strong undertone of Christ's cross, the grace of Christ, the grace of God was enough. We're going to hear that a lot throughout Galatians chapter 1. And the reason for this is, is Paul had founded this church in Galatia, and he was pretty frustrated. He was concerned because the Galatians were being, they were being influenced by Judaizers, which are Jews who taught that salvation required keeping the Mosaic law, specifically circumcision, along with believing in Jesus. So Paul was frustrated about this because the gospel that Paul had taught them and Peter had preached to them and, and, and the apostles had preached was that that Christ brought salvation. There wasn't anything extra that needed to be tacked onto that, that Christ's cross, the death on the cross and his resurrection was enough. Uh, and so Paul was frustrated about that because they were saying that Christ's work on the cross wasn't quite enough. That was the connotation. And, and Paul just did not like that. He was frustrated and rightfully so. And uh, so moving on here, Galatians 1 verses 6 through 10, he says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. 
So Paul continues with an emphasis on the grace of Christ, and he defends the position that the cross of Jesus was enough, that there wasn't any other prerequisite required, such as as circumcision, that there wasn't anything that had to be added for salvation. Salvation was that free gift from God, from the work on the cross, um, and him laying down his life for our sins. And so verse 8 Uh, where he says, But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. So what what is the gospel that Paul preached unto them? What does that mean? What what is that gospel? So number one, that Christ was enough. There were no other obligations required. There were no prerequisites. It was belief in Christ's sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection. That was it, that Christ was enough. Number two, that God's word is the standard. Nothing else needs to be added. Number three, that God's grace is enough. Number four, that everything they believe hinges upon the work of Christ on the cross, not the law. And so what better person, though, is there than Paul to teach this and to combat Jewish teachings that would lessen the efficacy of Christ's death and resurrection? What better person than Paul that that was that was called on the road to Damascus and he was a, a murderer? And so what better person than Paul is there to teach that, hey, the grace of Christ is enough. The grace of Christ is enough. In verses 6 through 7, I want to touch on a couple of things here. It says, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. It says, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. And so he, he's, he's calling out their instabilities. And I, I'm, I'm so surprised that this is what has taken you astray, that another doctrine, this this doctrine that is taking away from the the efficacy of, of the of the grace of Christ is taking away. He said, "I'm I'm, I'm shocked that this is what's happening." So he's referring to the Judaizers here that they've been polluting the teachings of grace to to the churches at Galatia. Uh, he was obviously frustrated that the doctrine of grace was being polluted and that Christ's work on the cross was being called not enough. Sometimes in life, there will be times where things or persons are disturbing your walk with Christ. And Paul charges the Galatians here, he, or he gives them a reminder of the importance of the doctrine of grace and the gospel of Christ, which is Christ's work on the cross, and warns them against false teacher. And Paul calls out their instability. He says, I'm amazed that something like this could shake your faith in the doctrine of grace you've been taught and preached to about. Something like this could shake you concerns me, is what Paul was telling them. Sometimes we need that in our life. We need someone to call out our flakiness and say, hey, this... This shouldn't be shaking your faith in, in the way it is. So I, I would challenge you. I would challenge you in your life that whenever persecution comes, whenever hard times come, and they will come, it's whenever a new doctrine, and, and I have quotations around that word doctrine, comes along that you'd be planted firm in the gospel, immovable and steadfast, that you would understand that, that the grace of God is enough. Sometimes you have to just shut out the noise. Um, do you know how you become immovable and steadfast in God's word? It's really pretty simple. You have to know his word. That means you need to read it. Sure. But you need to know God's word. You need to know it because there will be times where you say to yourself, Hmm, is that really that important? Is knowing this or believing that really that important? And in those times you need to be able to go to God's word and say, ah, yeah, this is, this is why. I believe that the grace of Christ is enough. This is why. This is the why. Sometimes you have to shut out the noise and everything else and go to God's word. And that's what Paul was kind of 
In other words, talking to them about it. He said, I'm, I'm just amazed. I'm astonished that something like this could uproot your faith. Um, talking about the grace of Christ. All right, moving on, Galatians chapter 1, and we're going to go here through 11 through 17. It says, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. And I profited and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceeding zealous, exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto, Amas unto Damascus. And so Paul here is, is saying that uh, he, didn't, he didn't go get man's idea about who God was or about what God was calling him to be. He said, I, I went to Arabia. He got alone to himself is what it appears. And he said, and then I went back to Damascus. Um, so he went to know God more intimately, some, to spend some alone time with God. He said, I went to Arabia and returned again to, to Damascus. And uh, so one thing I kind of wanted to point out here, there is but one gospel. One of Paul's points here in verses 11 through 17 is that there is but one gospel, that the gospel of Christ is the only gospel, that his death and his resurrection, they are the pinnacle of Christian faith that Christ is the chief cornerstone and it needed no Jewish law or customs applied to it. In verses 10 and 11, that the gospel was given to Paul by revelation from Christ, which we know this to be true because of his conversion in the book of Acts on the road to Damascus. So the first book, chapter of Galatians never ceases to amaze me in the way it portrays the grace of God. So we have Paul, a murderer of the church, a persecutor of the church, and he attempted to all but destroy the church. Yet God makes a special effort to go into Paul's life, call him, and pull him out of his sin. Verse 15 says, he says, God calls, God calls him through his grace. And Paul understands now that God, before Paul was in his mother's womb, God knew him, knew the atrocities that he would commit. Yet we have 13 books of the Bible attributed that were written by this man named Paul. And in verse 16, he says, to reveal his son in me, Paul, after, after all he had done. And I, I know it had to break him in a thousand pieces. The thought that through it all, through all the persecution, the killing, the rage, the hate, that Christ was calling him. So it doesn't matter how far, it doesn't matter how many times we've messed up or what we've done or how bad it may be. There's always grace. There's always grace. Galatians chapter 1, let's move on to verses 18 through 24. It says, Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him fifteen days. But other, other of the apostles saw none, save James, the Lord's brother. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God, I lie not. Afterwards I came into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which once he destroyed. And they glorify God in me. So, in the closing of chapter one, Paul gives the Galatians some events of his uh, of his early Christian life to substantiate everything that he had said earlier in chapter one, and to also elaborate on the work that Christ did in his life. 
So example in verse 23, he tells them that there were rumors about he which persecuted us in times past, that this this man that had murdered and persecuted the church was now preaching the gospel of Christ because Christ had called him into his marvelous light. One thing I did find interesting in verses 18 through 24 is that Paul didn't depend on the original apostles. He didn't get his message from the apostles in Jerusalem. And we covered this a little bit. So God came to him by revelation. And I think it had to be that way for this ex-persecutor to be effective with the churches he would minister to. That it, it had to come to, to Paul by revelation. That God had to call him specifically for him to be effective with the churches that he would minister to. And, and, and rightfully so. He, was, he, he murdered and persecuted the church, but God plucks him out of that and says, Paul, you're going to do a work for me. And Galatians 1, like I said, just the whole chapter has an underlying tone to me of God's grace is enough that no matter how bad the situation, no matter how many times someone has fell, no matter where someone has been in their life, no matter what winds of doctrine blow in and out and the things that will shake us, that there's always grace, that there's always grace. So in closing, I'd like to encourage you with this. Despite our attempts at serving God and us falling flat at times, there is grace. Despite your struggle with that certain thing, there's grace. Despite the trial you're in right now, there's grace. Despite the bitterness that consumes us, and consumes you like a cancer, there's grace. Christ has done a wonderful work just for you and there's great, wonderful grace for whatever it is that you may be going through right now. Now, in our next session, we're going to be moving on to Galatians chapter 2. We're going to dive into the subject of Christian liberty a little more and hopefully learn a little bit more about a great debate that's been raging for centuries. Do Christians have to study and keep the law of Moses, which was discussed thoroughly at the Council of Jerusalem in AD 49. So we're going to get into all that and more in our next sessions in Galatians chapter 2. Thanks guys for tuning in. We do appreciate it. Um, please give us some feedback, our email, everything, all the links will be below in the podcast description. And we'll see you next time in our next session over Galatians chapter 2.